Hello everybody, this is Jean Drew, your show host on Mindwalk, where uh, we interview people that uh, stimulates the mind around what will happen to mining next and how you can put your mind into warp drive. Um, I would like to introduce later on to you um, a partner, uh, Andy Reynolds from Inspire Resources that we've been working with for a long time. But before that, I want to talk about partnerships. So Minopi launched a new partner model since the partnerships that we had the last uh, four years and essentially simplifying and using all the learnings we have, uh, plugging that into the new partner model. Essentially, there are three partner levels called engagement and collaboration and strategic partner. Uh, this, was a, this was also as a result of feedback we got during an ecosystem event that we ran for three years in a row. The last one was 2019. COVID also, uh, unfortunately didn't allow us to have one by the uh, end of last year. And at the session, Adrian Davitzer facilitated for us. He's also the first person we had a podcast with on uh, Mine War. And he uh, is also with Deloitte. And in this facilitation, we had clients and partners, and we asked them, what do you see as being an ideal partnership? And some interesting words came out, like frictionless partnership. And it must be easy to explain the two roles of the partners, or more than one partner, to my executives, came from a very senior client. And who primes shouldn't be an issue. It might be the client, because they might have the most work. Interesting. And uh, you need to sort out the integration and the roadmap risks for me. If we buy, we buy for 15 years. One uh, mining executive said the partnership needs to be handled. And several times it came out about trust that the, that the clients expects us to have uh, to be friends and to, to, to really understand that, that we are friends and that there is a trust relationship before they will view it as a partnership. So before I carry on, I would like to congratulate our producer, Janri Liebenberg, who is on the recording currently, who is expecting with twins. This, uh, this is the second, second pregnancy. Uh, congratulations, uh, Yandri. Thank you, Jean. Uh, we're very excited. So at Monarchy, we work with digital twins, and I have genetical twins. So now I'm very excited. Yeah, and I hope that we wouldn't have too long a break in recording podcasts when this happens, Yandri. No, I think we'll make sure to have some in stock while I'm gone. <laughs> I've also got Mike Woodle on the call uh, with us. He's uh, handling the, the partnerships as a partnership director. Um, Mike, anything that you can add to the above of the uh, introduction to partnerships? Yeah, a couple of things. One of the guys in Oz made an interesting comment the other day. He said, people are watching us and they actually want to join us. Uh, that for me is very encouraging. Secondly, we have in the engagement partner MOU, we have an opportunity to take time to understand each other and to create an agreed value proposition that we can articulate before we go to the market. Yeah, trying to meet those client requests that came out of that uh, session we had. Excellent. And my introduction to Andy Reynolds is uh, firstly that we have a long history with Andy, even prior to the uh, to DPM buying us, and he was always there in the background uh, on different discussions and out of that role to inspire resources. Now, like we did with some previous people that we introduced, uh, Andy's LinkedIn profile says he's a leader leading a social enterprise to reimagine mining as a service. 
community developers, I think it summarizes it well. And then the posts that he's made in order go something like this. He's quoting new business models for sustainable community impact. He's engaging in discussions about the assumptions, the underlying assumptions that upon which mining operating models are built, like heavy truck load speeds and renewable energy assumptions. He also made a post about Oz Minerals, about collaborative business relationships, downsides to breaking down silos and uh, what types of materials is, are needed for the decarbonized roads. Welcome, Andy. Does those last posts reflect who you are? Thank you, Jean. Yeah, I have a pretty broad range of interests and uh, I like to share them on LinkedIn. Excellent. Before we start, tell us about yourself. Yeah, I'm uh, on my third career. So uh, my first 23 years were in the British Armed Forces. You can probably tell from the accent. Then I uh, moved to Canada and uh, spent almost 10 years managing research and development in uh, government labs, Canadian government labs. Uh, and then um, I started to realize that technology wasn't necessarily the primary obstacle to progress. And yeah. so I wanted to do something different, uh, really in business models. And so uh, I became a consultant, but really it, that led me to becoming a, an accidental entrepreneur, I think. And, uh, and here I am. I'm on the, the west coast of Canada. Uh, the sun's just coming up over the mainland. It's going to be a great day. <laughs> Fantastic. Andy, uh, in our dealings with you, which is uh, becoming quite extensive in, after we signed the MOU, you constantly talk about your dream and about Inspire's dreams. Share your dream with us. So my personal dream is that um, human race is sustainable and that we figure out how to work together to address the, the wicked problems that are bearing down on us, you know, which are really becoming quite um, intense. And so the, the business that I'm leading sort of reflects that in, in a way. You know, it has a transformative purpose, which is to fuel sustainable community development at scale. Uh, and really that transformative purpose is, is kind of the driver, you know, it's what makes us a social enterprise, a uh, for-purpose organization, uh, and it's what attracts people to us. You do often quote theories that I recognize, and when we prepared this, you, you quoted one of your theories, uh, and that triggered me to put it into the question list. What is your theory that you base this on? Well, I do believe that innovation is the moral imperative of capitalism. So capitalism is a, is a fabulous uh, system for making things happen, but it can be, like many fabulous things, it can be used for, for good or not so good purposes. Uh, and the good purpose of capitalism is innovation that advances society. The, the bad purpose of capitalism is the concentration of wealth and the extraction of rent. And so, and the difference between the two is really uh, a conscious choice to uh, invest in innovation. So I tend to separate capitalist players according to their willingness to take risk and innovate. Uh, lots of other people uh, have influenced you into this direction and, and some theories that you're basing this on, uh, you know, because uh, hopefully it's not a, a lone voice crying in the dark about, you know, something new that needs to happen, you know. We all know that that will take more time. So, you know, could you share some of those, uh, so some of those voices that shows you and points you to the fact that this dream is, can be reality in our lifetimes? I've really uh, watched closely a number of, of uh, influential people. So, uh, for example, Paul Polman, who was the CEO of Unilever, uh, from 2009. It's, it's really quite a, a legendary story of how he uh, effectively changed his shareholders in order to bring a longer-term perspective to the company. So that's that's a really um, 
uh, inspiring thing. I, I'd also mention my mother, who who is um, kind of a staunch socialist, and I've I've spent much of my life finding ways to defend capitalism. I've had to find a, a really durable um, thesis for for why capitalism is is going to help us. And I think what I've ended up with sort of aligns quite well with the the thinking of, of people like Mark Carney, uh, who uh, until recently was the governor of the Bank of England. So, so if you're looking for alignments, I would say uh, that those are the kinds of people who inspire me. So if you can convince your mother, then um, I'm sure you'll be able to convince our audience, uh, Andy. <laughs> you haven't met my mother. But... <laughs> we must be sure to get her to listen to the podcast. Um, Andy, how does your dream translate into, um, into your chosen purpose? Tell us more about what you guys are up to. Well, it was really interesting. You know, we... I, I, for years and years, I've known Rick Howes and Adrian Davids, uh, a few other people who who uh, had a whole collection of ideas for how mining could be could be different. Um, and uh, it was the, really the result of a conversation of several years uh, that we ended up defining a business model. Once we had figured out what a business model could look like, it then became necessary to uh, incorporate in order to deliver it because it was clear that we weren't going to change it through the existing uh, system of, uh, of incumbent companies. We would have to form a new company. Uh, and so um, you know, I was the one without a full-time job, so it, it was left to me to do that. And, uh, and I am leading the company. I now have uh, a couple of vice presidents, Jocelyn Fraser for uh, Shared Value. She's an expert in um, community relations and, and conflict around mining. And uh, I have Ken Murray as VP Engineering, and he has a lot of expertise in the, in the EPC sector and, a, and a, a burning need to do things differently than they do. So oh. I'm really privileged to have a, a, a team uh, assembling now. Excellent. How will Inspire Resources express itself to living up to this dream in the next 10 years? What, uh, what direction are you driving with us? We're preparing for a time uh, in the future when the community becomes the customer for mining as a service. And we think, wow. that's, we think that's both desirable and to some extent inevitable for certain kinds of mining projects. But if we imagine a mine project as being designed for the purpose of community development, what would that project look like? And more importantly, what what kind of companies would be involved and how would they be, uh, how would they collaborate? So that's the problem we're really uh, addressing and we're not going to get there overnight. Um, and we do, you know, much as I, much as I disparage the incumbent industry, we do need to work with incumbent players in order to get us to this future. I would say we're not, we're not really disruptive to mining. Um, we're, mm. we're possibly disruptive to the engineering business, but we the the sorts of projects that we're talking about here are, do not constitute the majority of projects that mining companies undertake uh, today. Mm. We're likely mm. to see smaller, shorter life projects, um, mm. perhaps with greater complexity, enable the development of. Okay, so your your business model will will drive this change towards where communities becomes the customer. Let's talk about your partners, and this is a mine walk discussion, not a mine RP discussion. But let's talk about your partners and then also tell us about, you know, what role does mine be playing in this bold dream of yours? Yeah, we need um, we need multiple kinds of partners. And, you know, this is really my 
uh, sort of collaboration DNA coming out here that clearly not going to uh, accomplish this alone. So we need industrial partners, first of all, and most of those would probably be in the mining equipment supplier sector today because they will need to have the means of production. They'll need to own the means of production. So we're really talking about suppliers of equipment moving across to service-based or outcome-based business models and work in an alliance with us orchestrating that alliance to uh, to run a, a large portfolio of small projects. So industrial partners, that's the first kind. We cannot uh, accomplish this new business model without significant advances in digitalization. And so we need a collection of platform partners who can help us build the digital infrastructure that is going to be needed. Uh, and of course, MineRP is really fundamental to that. Uh, and that's why uh, you guys are our first uh, platform partnership. There's, there's a collection of, of digital tools that need to be put together. And then, of course, there's also um, resource partners. In our business model, we don't expect to own the extraction rights. We expect to provide a, a prime contract service to those who do. Um, and in the medium term, those resource partners would be uh, mining companies because it tends to be mining companies that own extraction rights. In the future, it could be a community economic development corporation that mm. would be the partner and, and essentially the customer there. So we have all kinds of, of partners in this model, and it's a very connective model. It's a very collaborative uh, model. It's going to need some some um, very collaborative behaviors in order to succeed. Mm. Andy, you, you mentioned uh, um, your collabor collaboration DNA, and I was, uh, I was amazed at some of the things I've learned from you in your deep knowledge about what the problems with partnerships are. Um, really quoting some deep research that's been done, but that's the name of the game going forward. You won't be able to achieve this without this collaboration DNA. Share some thoughts on, uh, on that, please. Yeah, so um, over the last 50 years, um, capitalism has encouraged us to see the world as a, as a canvas of competition. Uh, in which we carve out little pockets of collaboration. But I have the opposite view. I believe that the world is a canvas of collaboration in which we carve out little pockets of competition called markets. And I believe that uh, humans are fundamentally wired for collaboration if, if we create the safe space in which to do that. And I think that you know, we've got to overcome 50 years of, of, of capitalist culture that, that has made that difficult, and in some cases even illegal. And so uh, collaboration is pretty fundamental. Um, and I, what I find is that when you talk about collaboration, the people who are up for it tend to self-identify. Um, and if you can then build an ecosystem around people with those kinds of instincts and companies with those kinds of instincts, you can achieve an awful lot. Mm. Um, and, you know, I could possibly reach back to my my military roots here and, and point out that uh, warfare is is the deepest form of competition, but it, it's actually also the deepest form of collaboration. And so um, it's these are powerful forces and you can't have one without the other. Excellent. Mike, uh, you've been uh, in all the work sessions with Andy ramping up uh, up to now. Why are we partnering with uh, Inspire? Yeah, look, <clears throat> you know, you pointed out that these conversations have been going on for a couple of years already. And um, from my experience of the last few months when the, in getting involved in the conversations is that essentially we talk the same language and that, um, you know, Andy's perspective on collaboration uh, hits home. I do enjoy personally the idea that we can be disruptive. 
Mm. And uh, certainly the conversations we've been having, uh, as uh, Andy points out, it's mainly in the engineering space, but it's engineering in mining. And that's, you know, right in our uh, center of uh, excellence. That's what we do. We, we understand the mining environment. Uh, the other thing I find encouraging that uh, even though it's taken a little while, um, Inspire Resources had established some credibility in the marketplace. I mean, they've got a client willing to work with them and doing some substantive work in terms of signing uh, what the future could look like. Uh, and I think that's great. Mike and, uh, and Andy um, is pushing us to say, but guys, I'm going to need to do planning much differently. You know, and uh, almost uh, one of the first clients that are actively got a business model for running a thousand plans a day. Um, that also strikes home for us, Mike. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, we're not frightened of the big numbers. And we know we have the technology to do that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I want to add about why partnering with them because, you know, all partnerships we learn from one another. And I personally are learning a lot from Andy around ecosystems. Andy and you guys are on us about uh, changing the design process. What do you mean by that? And why is that important in your dream and in your uh, massively transformative purpose? Yeah, this is really the... the um the technical challenge that we have. The design process for mines is very, uh, is, is very well tuned to the needs of um, investors, mining investors. We need to design mines for the uh, purposes of community development, you know, to meet the needs of community development plans. Uh, and what we're finding is that the, the mine design process is stuck in a, a methodology that's really codified into securities regulation. So, uh, NI43101, for instance, ends up defining how the mine design process works, uh, and it does it for the for the benefit of uh, investors. We need to transform that design process so that uh, communities can can be the source of requirements, uh, and that means it has to be a lot more uh, collaborative. It has to be a lot more transparent. Uh, it has to be a lot more uh, iterative. Uh, and we really have to get into the world of, of um, mass customization so that we can make this all go uh, much faster. It's a, it's a real transformation in the design process, and it's what's driving our um, interest from mining companies right now that is generating consulting work, which is, which is keeping us afloat. You're also driving us for uh, keeping optionality and variability uh, of all the plans and keeping all the plans that you have and not just push one plan through and then also you know, allowing partners in parts of that value chain to run a black box, but with deep, deep insight and uh, uh, that other partners can see that. Yeah, they, when, we do, when we switch the mind design process to mass customization, we have to think a lot more about flexibility and resilience and adaptability um, uh, instead of the um, incumbent method. So I like to say that mind design doesn't really solve problems today. It just overwhelms them with scale. Uh, and we we actually have to get much better at solving mining problems in a very agile way throughout the life of mine. And the reason we have to do that is to make the financing of mines so boring that uh, you can that a community can get a bond to pay for the mine development. So it's it's all tied in with the with the financial structure, um, but it really uh, requires a change of philosophy. And we have to understand the value of adaptability in, in the mine design process. We're only going to be able to do that uh, with digital tools. Some of those don't exist yet. Uh, and that's why we're teamed up with, with uh, brains trusts like you have uh, to, in order to uh, advance that whole field um, because it's not going to happen by itself. Excellent. 
Andy, I assume with being able to talk like this, you know, you read a lot of books. What are you currently busy with? Uh, is it safe to ask, do you read, Andy? <laughs> I do, yes. I have a huge stack of books on my bedside, uh, bedside table. In fact, they threaten to fall over and, and injure me <laughs> in the night. Yeah, it's, uh, it's called a natural angle of repose. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so um, the, the one I read most recently that, that had quite a profound effect on me was, was Green Swans by uh, John Elkington. So it's, it's a new book that's, uh, that's just come out. John Elkington, of course, famously invented the triple bottom line uh, and then famously recalled it. Uh, he subjected it to a product recall, uh, and uh, he talks about that in the book. So, so John Elkington is is another uh, great influence over me. And you know what he said in his in his book that really powerfully impacted me was uh, he talked about people working in the system change sector. Uh, and I had this this sudden feeling that that there was a tribe there. You know that there is uh, a group of people who don't necessarily identify themselves as part of the sector they're trying to change, but rather uh, as part of the system change sector. So it brings in uh, systems thinking, it brings in collaboration, and it really unifies all of these uh, wicked problems that we're facing in the future with uh, climate change, decarbonization, circular economy, uh, inequality, uh, and the need to uh, arrive at a fairer form of, um, of capitalism. So very powerful effect it had on me. That was a good book. And I could give you a very long list of others. Uh, but I no, no, it sounds to me like you absorb these things when you read them. It sounds like you need to give your mother's number to him and vice versa. <laughs> we have a good conversation. Andy, this was great to have you on the show. Uh, we hope we can do this again and talk about some of the joint successes. Thank you very much. This is Jean Roux, your show host for MindWarp. And uh, also, this book will be added to our book list on the website. Please go and view it. There's a lifetime of, of knowledge being gathered by all these people that we interviewed. Thank you very much, Andy and Mike. Thank okay, you. Thank you, Thanks, Andy. All right.